remember that, okay? Everything that we do here uh, in terms of the preaching, we record it audio, we stream it onto our Facebook page live, it stays on our Facebook page, you can share a post, you can rewatch a post, you can do a lot of cool things, all right? And I know that there are people uh, who are watching because I talk to them and they're not necessarily wouldn't identify themselves as Christians. Uh, some of them watch me because it puts them to sleep. And uh, I always say, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, at least I'm calming to you. And, uh, but we have interesting conversations uh, around the fact that we can now use a tool like this. So welcome everyone who's joining us on Facebook Live as well. We're starting a new series today called God and Culture. God and Culture. Um, many people think that God doesn't like the culture at all. He's opposed to everything. Um, God is opposed to, for example, climate change, which we're going to cover today. God is opposed to LGBTQ, uh, and you know He has a real strong opinion of people who are who are LGBTQ. He doesn't like them either. He doesn't like people who have tattoos. Um, he thinks that uh, his way is the only way, and he hates everybody else, and his followers are supposed to be the same, and they're supposed to arrogantly run around and say that their way is the only way. And this, a lot of times, is a perception of God and all these big cultural things that we see over and over again in people's mindset, in the news, in popular culture, everywhere. So I thought it would be interesting to try and intersect the two. And see, well, are, are those things really true that we're saying? Uh, what is God's view of all of these things that we see? Because we're thinking about them all the time. Well, what does he think about them really? And so today we're going to cover the, probably the biggest cultural issue right now. And that is climate change. Climate change. I have never heard anyone preach a, preach a sermon on climate change. So I'm going to try and do my best here without sounding like a scientist. Uh, if people are watching on Facebook and I put them to sleep, that's fine. But if you all fall asleep at the same time, then I'm not sure, you know, like if you're going to be even listening, right? So try not to make this sound like a science classroom, but I want to talk about climate change and God. And we'll, we'll see where we end up, all right? So climate change is is not just a matter of, well, this is what science says, or this is what science is telling us. If, you're, if you look at the culture overall, you will notice that climate change is like an, an ideology. It's not just, well, the, the science is telling us something and we should do something about it. No, it's become an ideology. It goes way beyond scientific observation, this thing. There's a huge set of philosophical presuppositions attached to either side. So you typically have people who are pro-climate change and you have people who are against climate change. And we have all kinds of thoughts in our heads about both kinds of people, all right? So uh, here's one of them. If you go to the next slide, uh, Shania, do you know who this is? Yeah, that's, uh, I think her name is what? Greta Thunberg, right? How old is she? 16. So that shot, I'm pretty sure, is from the streets of Montreal, where she was here just a couple of weeks ago, what, three, three, four weeks ago? Did any of you go to the rally? It's okay, you can put your hand up. It's not, it's not sin to have gone. Oh, you did in the back? Okay, good, all right. So uh, I think there were 500,000 people there. That's a lot of people for a rally 
in the province of Quebec. Some say it's the biggest rally ever held in the province of Quebec. And she is a passionate young person, and she is sort of the poster person for climate change right now. And she is, she's very passionate. She's a very powerful speaker. And when she shows up at these rallies and these events, and she's going all over the, the world, I mean, she's appearing before heads of state. Um, and she really is being, being touted as like the, the speaker, the face of climate change uh, right now. And there's another face uh, of climate change on the other side. Uh, and so you understand who this face is. I'll just let you play the video, Shania. Yeah, so quite a, a difference of opinion, <laughs> and uh, but it's a, it's an ideological thing. So people who who you know we categorize them, and falsely so. And if if they if they believe in climate change, then we say, oh, okay, so so they follow Greta Thunberg, and you know they probably have certain liberal religious views if they accept climate change, and. Well, probably they believe in Darwinian evolution uh, if they accept climate change. And, you know, maybe they're quite, uh, they're not very conservative in the way that they live because we kind of associate all of this stuff and all of this philosophical stuff with climate change. And I'll put an ideology in there. And then if, you're, uh, if someone's on the other side and they say, you know, I reject the science of climate change and they... They say they're opposed to it or whatever verbiage they use. And we say, well, you must, you must like Donald Trump. Uh, you, must, you must believe that the earth is 6,000 years old. Uh, perhaps you even believe that it's flat. Uh, you're in denial. You're the minority. You're a religious nutcase. Uh, and so we, we tend to polarize people uh, based on this very, very hot, very sensitive subject, and it gets quite personal. Uh, people have attacked uh, Greta Thunberg because she has Asperger's, which is on the, the spectrum of autism, and uh, she says this on a, on a recent tweet, when haters go after your looks and differences, it means they have nowhere left to go, and then you know you're winning. I have Asperger's, and that means that I'm sometimes a bit different from the norm, 
form and given the right circumstances, being different is a superpower. Wow, what a powerful statement that is. What an inspirational statement that is. And then you look at something from Donald Trump. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm taking control a little bit with my... I'm sorry to take over. You, you take over. And this is fairly recent tweet from Donald Trump from March. Uh, and he quotes uh, Patrick Moore, who he says is the co-founder of Greenpeace. I'm not so sure that that's exactly true, but in any case, and he quotes him, the whole climate crisis is not only fake news, it's fake science. So says Patrick Moore, allegedly. There is no climate crisis. There's weather and climate all around the world. And in fact, carbon dioxide is the main building block of all life, at which point uh, uh, President Trump t tweets, wow. So you see there's quite a, quite a polarization uh, on this subject, and it's just not healthy. Not, either extreme, in the long run, either extreme is not going to get us very, very far. Um, we have to do something if we're going to address this very, very significant issue, at least at least right now it is, and for the last number of years it has been, what we have to do is, the first thing is we have to separate the science from the emotion and from the ideology. Okay, either there's science behind this and everybody has to, has to understand it and appreciate it and make changes as such, or there isn't. But when we turn this into an emotional thing where you're of this side and therefore you're of this stripe, no, you're of this side and therefore you're of this stripe, all we're doing is causing division over something that we should unite on if in fact it is really going on. And what we need to do therefore is to say, okay, what is the science behind this? Because a lot of people don't even know. Uh, a lot of people think they know and they, you ask them questions and they start saying things that are like, totally inaccurate, totally out in left field. So I thought it would be interesting to look a little bit at the science rather than just the emotion of this issue. And I'm taking this from NASA's website. I figure NASA would be a reputable source worldwide. You know, you can put people out in space and et cetera, et cetera. You probably have your science somewhat straight. So I'm taking this verbatim from an article from NASA. It's public. It's on their website, and it's called uh, Climate Change, How Do We Know? And at the top of the article, they have their scientific consensus. 97% of climate scientists agree that climate warming trends over the past century are extremely likely due to human activities. And most of the leading scientific organizations worldwide have, in, have issued public statements endorsing this position, so says uh, NASA. Uh, in their article, they, they put this picture at the top, a uh, very dramatic image and uh, very significant. And uh, you probably can't read some of it, but I'll, I'll just show you what that graph means. On the left-hand side, you have uh, carbon dioxide emissions in parts per million. And at the bottom, you have years. And they go back way, way long ago, allegedly to 800,000 years ago. And according to them, they, could, they find ways to be able to track the amount of carbon dioxide that there is in the Earth's atmosphere, and they can track it back to 800,000 years ago, so they say. And the, you, you see when you start getting up to our time, which is zero, and uh, uh, where the little zero is, I don't know if you see that, but you see the spike that goes up into the air? That little spike is 1950, 
And from 1950 to the current level, you see it goes straight up in the air. Okay, and uh, this is what uh, what NASA says that due to the Industrial Revolution and due to the activities of, of man, we have now effectively warmed the planet. And not, and that's not a good thing, all right? They talk about what's called the greenhouse effect, if you put the slide on the screen. So a little science for you. Maybe you remember this from high school. So on the left side, you see the sun, and most of the radiation from the sun is absorbed by the Earth's surface, and it warms it. Doesn't feel like it today. Won't feel like it for the next few months here in Quebec, but that's because the Earth is tilted on an axis, right? And the way that the rotation works, we have four seasons uh, in this, this part of the world up in the northern hemisphere. But anyway, most radiation is absorbed by the Earth's uh, surface and warms it. And some of it, some of that solar radiation, the heat from the sun, is reflected by the Earth and by the atmosphere. And you see it kind of bounces off there. Then you move over to the right side of the screen. Some of the infrared radiation passes through the atmosphere and some is absorbed and re-emitted in all different directions by these dreaded greenhouse gas molecules. And the effect is to warm the earth's surface and lower and the at uh, sorry, the effect to this is to warm the Earth's surface and the lower atmosphere. So you have this kind of global warming that we hear so much about that takes place. And you see that infrared radiation is bouncing all over the place. It's because of these greenhouse gases that cause the heat to be retained. Do you see the science behind that? Do you understand? Okay, so this, this, is, this is not something that is unobservable. This is very observable, and we can, we can see it happen. And then in NASA's website, they go into a number of, uh, of explanations uh, as to what, what that produces. Um, so they say this as a, as a precursor to that. On Earth, human activities are changing the natural greenhouse. Over the last century, the burning of fossil fuels like coal and oil has increased the concentration of atmospheric carbon dioxide, CO2, which you just breathed out when you just breathed. Uh, this happens because the coal or oil burning process combines carbon with oxygen in the air to make CO2. To a lesser extent, the clearing uh, for land, uh, for agriculture, industry, and other human activities has increased concentrations of greenhouse gases. But the gas that you hear the most about is carbon dioxide and carbon emissions. We hear a lot of these things comes out of your car, as do a lot of other gases, but the gas that comes out of your car eventually has carbon dioxide and you know you have millions and millions and millions of these cars and this is a big a big faux pas if i had money i'd probably buy an electric car if i really had money i'd probably buy a tesla <laughs> just saying but of course the amount of of money and the amount of greenhouse gases that it takes to build a tesla it also is the other side of the coin right just just saying that to all of you electric car people. I still drive a Toyota, which Toyota says has low emissions. I don't know if they're telling the truth or if they're lying. But here's, here's the points that NASA points out. And this is the hard science and how we see that the earth is warming. Number one, global temperature rise. Again, don't snicker too much. We live in Quebec. We're in the northern hemisphere. So we're going to have winter this year as we usually do. The planet's average surface temperature has risen about 1.62 degrees Fahrenheit, 
or 0.9 degrees Celsius, according to NASA, since the late 19th century, a change driven largely by increased carbon dioxide and other man-made emissions into the atmosphere. Uh, number two, the warming of the oceans. The oceans have absorbed much of this increased heat with the top 700 meters, that's almost a kilometer, the top 700 meters of ocean showing warming of more than 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1969. You say, well, those are really small numbers. Yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, those little numbers can have huge, huge consequences on life as we know it uh, uh, on this earth. Shrinking ice sheets, so the Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets have decreased in mass. Data from NASA's gravity recovery and climate experiment show Greenland lost an average of 286 billion tons of ice per year between 1993 and 2016. Wow, seems like a massive amount. Glacial retreat. So the glaciers are retreating almost everywhere around the world, including in the Alps, the Himalayas, the Andes, the Rockies in, in the United States, Alaska and Africa. The, the glaciers are, are starting to drop like this. Decreased snow cover. And again, don't snicker too much. We will get snow here. In the, in the province of Quebec, but I don't know if, if you're like me. Um, I've lived here for 40, 43 years, uh, and 43 years ago, there was more snow, um, and it was a lot more predictable. Now, the snow is a whole lot less predictable. It can be quite volatile, but overall, it feels like, I know that's not very scientific, but it feels like there's less. That's based on, you know, living here for 43 years. I can see a change uh, in the weather. You know, I, uh, did you know they canceled or, sorry, postponed Halloween? Any of you fall victim to this? Okay, so I think, you know, great for kids who like candy because they went to Montreal on October 31st and then they went to the South Shore on November 1st and, hey, they got more candy, right? But, but the climate change idea would say, yeah, no, look at those violent winds that we experienced here, that kind of volatile weather, and that's explicable. Uh, again, NASA would, would say this for sure because of the, 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 the change in the climate and the rise in temperature creates all this volatility. So sea level rise, global sea level rose about eight inches in the last century. Uh, the rate in the last two decades, however, is nearly double uh, that of the last century and is accelerating slightly every year. So sea levels rising, declining Arctic sea ice, both the extent and thickness of Arctic sea ice has declined rapidly over the last several decades. In science, what you do is you try and look all around. If you have a hypothesis and you say, well, this is the hypothesis, there's global warming. What you try to do is you try and find all kinds of non-related evidences of this. You say, well, let's look at this, and let's look at this, and let, let's look at this. Does that justify? Can we do any hard science? Can we observe anything repeatable that says, okay, this shows that there's warming. Now that shows that there's warming. Now that shows that there's warming. And when you have all of that put together, you have a stronger hypothesis. Eventually in science, you develop what's called a theory. So the theory of gravity. Okay, we call gravity a theory. 
you all just proved, you're proving it right now, and so am I, because we're not floating, you know, in space. We know through repeatable observation that we're accelerating toward the mass of this planet at 9.8 meters per second per second. We know this, and we can test this in, in a ton of different ways. So they try to do this same kind of thing with climate change. By the way, I, I know what you're thinking, some of you, um, uh, evolution and Darwinian evolution, some people say, uh, Christian they say, well, it's just a theory after all. It's Darwin's theory of evolution. Please do not use that argument. Gravity is a theory as well, okay? In science, when we use the term theory, it's because we think we have achieved the strongest level of evidence to, to, to prove the idea. You say, well, are you saying that they did that without Darwinian evolution? No, I'm not saying that, but that's what they say. Okay, so don't say, well, it's just a theory because gravity is just a theory. Anyone in the scientific world is going to laugh when you use that type of defense when you're talking about something like Darwinian evolution. Just saying, declining Arctic sea ice, both the extent and thickness of the Arctic sea ice has declined rapidly over the last several decades. Extreme events, this one I find a little bit interesting because they say it this way, the number of record high temperatures, uh, temperature events in the United States has been increasing. And I, I said to myself as I read this, well, the United States is the United States. What about the world? <laughs> Why do they care so much about the United States? But anyway, has been increasing while the record of uh, the number of record low temperature events has been decreasing. Okay, we see in some ways the same thing in Canada. Ocean acidification. This is the last one on their website. Since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the acidity of surface ocean waters has increased by about 30 percent. The increase is the result of humans emitting more carbon dioxide, those dreaded humans, into the atmosphere and hence uh, more being absorbed into the oceans. The amount of carbon dioxide absorbed uh, by the upper layer of the oceans is increasing by about 2 billion tons per year. This is a summary of what you will see uh, from NASA uh, and they continue in some of their conclusions. If you go to the next slide, oh, you lost it. Can you find it? Ah, there you found it. Good job, you found it. Um, in its fifth assessment report, uh, you have to read the context of the article to, to know the fifth assessment report, but anyway, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a group of 1,300 independent scientific experts from countries all over the world under the auspices of the United Nations concluded there's a more than 95% probability that human activities, those dreaded humans, over the past 50 years have warmed our planet. Thus saith the, 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 the science of NASA. Okay, uh, so I don't know if you if you say I don't care about the science, Pastor. Or, you know, I I'm on this side of the of the line, or on this on this other side of the line. Okay, let's now look at what God would say about this, because God, quite frankly, has a lot to say about the climate. Quite a lot to say about the climate. Let's just start with the very first verse of the very first book of the Bible. Let's just start there, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a striking statement. That statement declares that there was a beginning 
That statement declares that God is outside of the beginning because he was there in the beginning. That means he didn't begin himself. That statement declares that at some moment, we don't know what moment necessarily, God initiated and created the whole thing. We sang about it this morning. As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are formed. So the Bible teaches bluntly right from the first verse that God is the creator of this planet. And beyond this planet of everything else, he is the creator. He created it in time. He's outside of time and he made it and made it all. If we believe that God created it, then we should, reasonably speaking, we should take care of it. Why? Not because we worship the earth. Okay, people who, who understand climate change don't worship Mother Earth necessarily. Don't lump them into that and say, oh, they're, they're loonies, you know, leave the liberal New Agers, tree huggers, save the whales, and they worship the earth. No. If we believe that God created it, we should take care of it because it's a reflection of him. If the stars were made to praise you, so will I. So uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist David wrote. Well, if the heavens declare the glory of God, then so should I. How should I, practically speaking? Well... I should try my best with every amount of reasonable effort to take care of the earth in the way that I can. There's nothing unchristian about that. It is a biblical thought. It is a biblical sentiment. In fact, one could argue that Bible believers should lead the charge because we believe that God is responsible for it all. We're taking care of something that he has designed and he has created. I remember when I was a new Christian, uh, it used to annoy me to watch people litter. You say, well, what's the big deal about littering? It used to really bother me because I actually believed at that point, having become a Christian, that God created it. I said, man, look at that. The guy's thrown his cigarette on the grass. Well, that's that's littering up God's, that's, that really offended me. Now you can do all kinds of things, you know, from recycling your stuff to driving a Tesla. You know, I like the Tesla part. The recycling's a bit of a drudgery. But you can do whatever, whatever you, I mean, you, you know what's right for you. I'm not going to get into all of this, you know, you should do this and you should do that. But if we believe that God created it, well, it's very reasonable to say then that we should be responsible to take care of it the best of our, in the best of our ability, okay? So that, that's a very reasonable, very good supposition to make. Number two, and this is where uh, in some ways we, we would step in a different path than a lot of the people who, who talk about climate change. And this is, to me, this is an even deeper path. Because God created it, and not us. We did not create this planet. We are not the gods of this planet. He is. Last time I checked, we didn't create it. 
And even the Darwinian evolutionist will ruefully agree with me that we didn't create it. So we are not responsible for its origins. There is one who is greater, one who spoke it into existence, one who created it, and we are not him. We are not God. We are not God's He is, and he created it, and therefore, he has the power to sustain it. It's not just us. I mean, uh, there's hysteria on the part of some on the climate change, uh, and there's a rhetoric that's hysterical. You have people saying, we're not going to have children now because the previous generations have destroyed this planet and destroyed our future and destroyed our potential children's lives. That, my friends, is hysteria. If there is a God who created it, then that God is able to sustain it. He is able, he's able to hold it together Sometimes in spite of our own foolishness and our own destructive tendencies. Colossians chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, authorities, rulers, you name it, natural, supernatural. He created it all by him. All things are created. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him, in Jesus, this is saying, in him, all things are held together. He holds it together. He has the final say. He has all authority and power because he's the one who created it all. And we have to get to a point where we realize we're not the gods of this world. Yes, we have the ability to take care of it. And yes, we should. And yes, we have the ability to create great destruction. But let me tell you, we will not be able to destroy this world that God has made. Because he, he toes the line, if you know what I'm saying. There is a sovereignty that God has that overrules our own destructive choices. And humans are really, we're really good at destroying ourselves. Thank God there's a God or we probably would have been gone already. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like we have to get ourselves out of this mindset that we are at the top of the chain. He is at the top of the chain. And he has all sovereign power and authority to do with this world ultimately what he chooses to do. While we're here on our little blip of time, and let me tell you, friends, your life here, my life here is a vapor. It is a little blip on a radar. It comes and it goes like a mist and you don't even remember it anymore. This is what James says. Don't think too highly of yourselves, my friends. Your life is a little blip on a radar. That time that we have, should we do what we can to take care of this place? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But there is a God in heaven who can do an even better job. He holds it all together. Wow, this is very quiet. 
Not sure on what, what side you fall. Or maybe you're sleeping, the science puts you to sleep, I'm not sure. So because God created it, we should take care of it. God's sovereignty, it overrules our destructive choices because God created it. He holds it all together. Yes, yes. But there is a climate change. I'll put it in quotes, that is coming, that no man can stop. And it is a climate change that is extremely destructive. If you read the scripture, it cannot and will not be stopped by any human effort. And this, to me, again, goes deeper than the normal explanations and the normal passion that we have about the climate, because it factors again in the sovereign power and will of God. And this is what is said. This is what Peter says in his second letter there, Second Peter chapter 3. We have it preserved for us in the New Testament, and he's talking about the end of the world. He's talking in an eschatological, the end times sense, and he wants people to wake up and understand there is a climate change that is coming, the likes of which this world has never seen. You talk about 0.9 degrees, he's talking about something completely different. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Get your thoughts sober. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. First of all, you must understand in the last days, so he believes that time and the world as we know it is going to come to an end. In the last days, scoffers will come. They're going to scoff. They're going to follow their own evil desires. They're going to say, where is this coming that Jesus promised? This is nonsense. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation, but they deliberately forget. And now he's going to go back in time and talk about the flood of Noah from the book of Genesis. They deliberately forget. You say, do you believe in the flood of Noah? Absolutely, I do. He's going to talk about the flood. He's going to say, uh, long ago, the earth was created out of water and by water and by these waters. Also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. That's some climate change in the past he's talking about. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, he says. Heat being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. You talk about a climate change to come. That's, that's pretty heavy. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. He doesn't reckon time like we do. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you and not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Huh? Wow, that, that's some kind of climate change. And no one can stop it because it is ultimately brought about by God himself. 
It is his way of bringing a final judgment upon sin and upon evil and to create something new, a new heaven and a new earth, Peter says. So, I mean, if you factor that into your thinking, given the current discussion and the current passion about climate change, well, that really changes your perspective because it gives you a sense of reverence and a sense of awe that, hey, there is one in charge and he's going to bring this thing to completion and he's going to change it all one day. The, the evil that we see and the death and the decay that we see and the suffering that we see now, he is going to end, but he's going to end it in this way. The whole thing is going to be destroyed, he says, by fire. Brings up all kinds of questions in your head. You say, "How? what kind of crazy apocalyptic idea are you talking about? You're talking about the third world war and thermonuclear destruction. What is he talking about? What is he saying? I'm not sure. But this was soberly written down by Peter and written with great intent and authenticity. And he writes it because of one reason and one reason alone, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus rose from the dead and Jesus said he is coming again, we can put that in the bank and we can trust that that is going to happen. And God will deal with this, all of this that we see and with evil and suffering. We'll talk about that more on Wednesday night once and for all. But he will do so for all intents and purposes in a way that involves a climate change, the likes of which we've never seen before. So as we approach this subject, I invite the band if they would come and close us in a song here. As we approach this subject, please separate the science from the emotion and the ideology and the philosophy and all of these things. Separate the science and understand what the science is telling us. And remember those principles. If we believe that God created it, we should. We should take care of it. And in my view, Christians should lead the charge because our, our, our reason comes out of worship to God. Because God is the creator, not us. He holds it all together. And ultimately, let's remember there is a climate change, the likes of which this world has never seen that is to come.